Welcome to Metaphysical Soul Speak. I'm your host, Elena Fox-Starks. Hey guys, I've had an incredible day. Weird day, strange, but incredible nonetheless. Last night on the show, you might have heard an explosion in the background. I was making dinner. I had a a glass um, pan in the oven and I literally I was just recording the beginning part of the show I was gonna go out serve dinner to my kid and he checked on the dinner and he thought oh the chickens drying out need to put some water oh yes he did oh my god and we both he knows better and I know better I probably would done the same thing though you know, oh yeah, well it needs water. Just add some more water into it. But you know what? Cold water in a hot pan in a hot oven. Oh my God. Exploded everywhere. It was like, oh my God. <laughs> I it's like the show must go on. I kept that attitude. I was so scared. I quickly got off. <laughs> I quickly finished that that introduction and and um published the show real quick ran into the other room and my son's going, Oh my God. And what was, there was like thousands of pieces of glass everywhere. And I mean, this is tempered glass. It's not even supposed to do this, but thousands of pieces of glass everywhere. And the chicken breasts were still on the rack. (laughs) No pan anymore. Just the chicken breasts on the rack. Uh, I mean, we had to brush the, the pieces of glass off the bottom, but it was actually okay and it was good. But I was so upset because I was me. Ma- I made chipotle orange chicken. I don't even eat meat that often, but every now and again, I need to, to ground. Um, vegetarians are constantly grounding and grounding and grounding. So my higher guidance said people that are vegans and, and vegetarians are constantly focused on grounding their energy into the earth. And then people that eat meat are constantly focused on raising their vibration to the higher levels. Even though we all do the same things, we all ground and we all do that, but it's like a matter of where your focus is. Neither way is wrong, according to the divine. But it was just a weird observation and a weird thing that come to me. But so every now and again, I eat meat. Usually I try to just stick with fruit or vegetables. But um, that was incredible. Like, I was like, what? (laughs) 
So at the same time, our we have two sinks in our kitchen. One is like a service sink, and it's really cool. The, it, the water shoots out in little streams of like 20 individual teeny tiny streams all the way across this three foot sink and the sink is very shallow it's like only four or five inches deep right so there was something clogged into the drain and I went out and bought Drano I mean it was just I was like what is wrong with the sink well it started leaking throughout the whole kitchen so yesterday my kitchen looked like completely insane I went out there and there was like thousands of pieces of glass inside the oven. The whole kitchen floor was flooded. And because we had walked in there, it was like footprints everywhere. And two days ago, my kitchen was perfectly clean. I'm like, oh my God. It's like, I think I need a third person here just to keep our house clean and keep keep up with us <laughs> between my son and I. <laughs> but I fixed the sink clean the floor. I still haven't cleaned out the oven. I'm just like, Oh my God, give me another day. And our kitchen will be, it'll be back to normal. Everything will be good. I'll go buy us another pan. We'll pretend nothing happened here. Nothing here to see folks. (sighs) Just it's crazy craziness, but all night long, so much energy couldn't sleep. And so I stayed up watching the fourth season of rain that was on Netflix. I love rain. I mean, I know it's not historically 100% accurate, but boy, what a good show. What a good show. It's literally one of those shows that actually got me interested in history. Things I had never given a crap about. (laughs) I never gave a rat's ass about history. And then I started watching the show and I'm like, wow, what other shows are out there? This is a really, really good show. I looked it up and obviously the music they play isn't the music that they had back in Scotland and France and Spain and England in the day. But, you know, when you grow up in the United States, you have a heavy emphasis on World War II and American history. And there's not a whole lot more that they teach. You know, it's just like, that's all you get. You don't get, you you know, you'll get like one class in grade school on the Mayans and the Incans and the Aztecs. And that, that lesson's repeated three or four times throughout grade school. But then you get to high school and you got to know about the big stuff. You know, Hitler fighting in World War One and two, mostly two. And then you learn about the Revolutionary War and there's not a whole lot more that we learn. Really not a whole lot. You know, I homeschooled my kids when I was teaching them about Jamestown, the Jamestown settlement where people from England came over and, you know, they're so rich and they had all this knowledge and they brought a a boatload, literally, of books and not one damn seed to plant food and they nearly starved to death. If it wasn't for the Native Americans saving their butts, all of the United States still would have been native, 100%. You know, it's like, uh, if you could only just go back in history and change one thing. <laughs> it happened the way it was supposed to happen, but my God, you know, but I didn't even know about Jamestown until I had to teach it to my kids. So I don't know, learning about history. So I was up watching Rain anyway, nevertheless. And the sky started looking weird. 
<laughs> like it's been doing every day and every day is a whole brand new experience that you just never anticipated and this morning the sky was streaks of blue and then white clouds it was like blue and then it's just long streaks the whole length of the sky I took a video I will be adding that up to Twitter um, probably in the next 24 hours and at one point I mean I, I I'm talking on the video it's like three minutes long talking on the video and there's this uh, there's holes they're punched out in the sky out of nowhere and they look like eyes <laughs> and then towards the end of the video it looks like a giant serpent in the clouds coming towards me I was just like so I was trip trippy I had not done anything I wasn't I hadn't smoked weed I hadn't I hadn't even done so much as eating a cookie you know like I wasn't hopped up on sugar or anything I just this just happened it was like whoa sky is so weird here and the rest of the day after I took the video the whole sky turned to just kind of a boring solid white not even with descriptive clouds just white all whiteness very weird so I went to sleep two hours later woke up as if I'd slept 12 hours bounded out of bed (laughs) And there had been a really, a person I started following on Twitter, old wise hermit out of Kentucky. He had a really incredible story. So I'm like, wow, I'm going to read the story on the air. And he's like, well, better yet, how about if I come on the air and I'll talk about it. So I interviewed him. It's going to be airing tomorrow. Old wise hermit from Kentucky. Oh my God. This guy is a trip. (laughs) you guys think I'm trippy just wait this guy talks about seeing the fractalization of the universe the grids he saw a grid that I built in 2000 and like 6 2005 maybe I built this grid the Christ consciousness grid he became a part of it you're, uh, you're not going to believe this stuff this guy says. I felt so validated. I couldn't believe it. So you're going to hear this guy tomorrow for my Saturday show. I'll air it before midnight California time. Um, I got to wait until the Schumann Residence News for tomorrow rolls in. I'll read that and then we'll just go right into the interview. This guy is... Just, I can't say enough good about him. Really intense. We're going to have him on possibly as a regular guest because he's got 18 UFO alien experiences, light worker experiences, matrix, seen behind the veil experiences, and interactions with animals. We start off tomorrow's episode with... uh, how birds, a flock of bird, random birds, not even all the same kind of bird, a whole bunch of birds, saved his life in Kentucky this week. A couple days ago, like yesterday. So, yeah, it was incredible. I mean, I woke up after two hours of sleep, 
got this guy and then also two authors, a husband and wife team. They're traveling throughout Europe right now promoting the publishing of their brand new book. It's a first in a series of four. They just sent me, I mean, I love being a podcaster. They just sent me their first book. They sent me the ebook for free. Oh yeah, cool. I get to read that. I'm so excited. It's called The Emissary. So we're going to have Tamara and her husband, Renee, they're light workers. They are, they started listening to my show when their publisher found me. Their publisher started listening to the show. 10 people start following me today on Twitter. A couple people start following me on Instagram all because of the show. Things are happening. The vortex is spinning and I'm in the dead center of it. Do you feel it? Because you're here with me. <laughs> Do you feel the vortex spinning all around you? Oh, baby, it is incredible what's happening in our lives. You're going along with me. I'm taking you with me and you're taking me with you. I'm grateful for that. I got a new subscriber today. Her name is Rochelle. And she wrote me an email and she said, you know, keep up with what you're doing because you've inspired me. I got my women friends together. We now have a regular moon group. They get together on the, under the moon and they just, I don't know, dance, laugh, joke. I don't know what they're doing. But Rochelle, thank you for your email. That was so incredible. I'm so grateful to be a part of your life. I'm thanking you right now for being a part of mine and for my being a part of my journey because what you said to me this morning, you guys, Rochelle told me that I'm actually making a difference in her life and to keep up the good work. Do you know that two days ago I was thinking maybe I better quit the podcast? <laughs> Felt like I'm not getting anywhere. I started having these moments of doubt. I'm like, ah, oh, I thought I was done at the damn dark nights of the soul. Well, a couple days ago, it, it was it was going all over the whole world. Everyone was feeling it. I felt it from my twin. He didn't even telepath with me for two or three days. It's been now maybe three days since I've heard from him, telepathically speaking. Never met him in person, but we've been having these long conversations for hours sometimes in the past couple months. And it was just like, boop, no. I think my negative energy affected him. Then his negative energy, he was probably going through the same thing, affected me. Even my super positive kid was just like, ah, yesterday, I don't know, mom, maybe I should give it all up. No, don't give up. You'll be better tomorrow, I promise. He seems better already. Everybody's gone through it. And it was so nice to hear these words from Rochelle. So I wanted to say thank you on the air and publicly acknowledge you for your presence in my life suddenly and your encouragement. Everybody needs encouragement. You know, a friend of mine, Tom, from he's from Kansas. He told me a long time ago, he said, you know, you're a cheerleader, Elena. You're a cheerleader. And, and the thing is, when you're a cheerleader, there's a problem. In, in that you are the one always doing the cheering. You're the one doing the inspiring and the encouraging. You're the number one and you're a leader. But who cheers on the cheerleaders? 
not that many. He said, I'm here to tell you you're a cheerleader, but I'm going to cheer you on. My friend Dale told me the same thing. God rest his soul. Dale has. I love him so much. Not a day goes by that I don't think about him. Not a day goes by that I don't miss, miss him, miss him, miss him so much. He was one of the most incredible people on the planet. And he spoke true, you know, like there are those people that they're not aware that they're doing it, but they open their mouth and the words of God come out and they don't even know. And they, they, they inspire and touch you in ways you can't begin to imagine. And years later, you're still affected by it in a positive way. And he was one of my cheerleaders. So I was feeling discouraged and I was like, yeah, I'm a cheerleader. Who's cheering me on? There's no one here cheering me on right now. A couple days ago. And here comes Rochelle. She's my cheerleader. So thank you for being my cheerleader, Rochelle. I really needed that. I mean, I had reached out to two of my long-term friends from years ago. And neither one of them actually said anything. One of them said, well, I love hearing from you. But then he stopped the conversation and now it's been three days. I haven't heard from him. I was like reaching out, asking for help, asking for some kind of love and, and true acknowledgement <clears throat> from my near twin flame. And he literally ignored. I saw that he had read everything I wrote completely ignored me. I mean, I was down in the dumps and he didn't, he did not have one word of encouragement for me. And I was like, wow, wow. He was suicidal on the first day of the new year. In fact, before midnight struck, he wrote me and said he was going to kill himself that night and ruined my night. I'm in the midst of all of these Ecuadorian people. And I, I was, my friend just married into an Ecuadorian family. And I, my son and I are kind of, by association becoming a part of this family and we were there with our new Ecuadorian extended family and I had to spend two hours talking to this guy talking him off the damn ledge proverbially speaking and when when I asked for encouragement for me he had none for me not one word literally ignored me so it's hard when you're a cheerleader to be the one needing the cheering so yeah I just have to say I mean I've gone on about this too much but thank you thank you thank you for those who have encouraged me and I feel like we are hashtag soul tribe we are hashtag light workers we are hashtag soul family that's how we're going to find each other by the way those exact hashtags hashtag ascension that's what I that's what I, I've been putting out there on twitter And other places, these hashtags, and it's starting to work. (laughs) Woo, starting to work. So, after two hours of sleep only, I managed to get three people lined up to do interviews for the show. I still have my friend Barbie Snow and Matthew David Hurtado, my other friend, I still need to get, I need to pin down a time and place in which I'm going to interview them for their books. And it seems also lately that, remember how people would write a series of books and the series would be 
a trilogy? Twice in the past week, I've come across people that have decided to write four books as a series, not just three. We're changing. We're growing as a species. I don't know. There's something new in this. Even though I know other people who write, you know, like cozy mysteries that are, um, you know, are like eight books in a, in a genre or 10 or 12, you know, when they're smaller, like romance books or mystery novels, novellas. <laughs> but I've never heard of like the trilogy now is expanded. I don't know. What do you call it? A quadrology? <laughs> But it's, it's like becoming a new trend in the new age community where people decide to write fictional books about what the ascension is and what we're going through. And it's just this explosion all over the planet of these kinds of books. I'm so thrilled. Because uh, back in the day when I was learning and growing, all I had was um, initially I had Richard Bach with his illusions and Jonathan Livingston Siegel. I mean, those are timeless classics. But Illusions, oh, Adventures of a Reluctant Messiah. If you don't know about that book, I'm probably going to have to do a show on it. I know there's a lot of you, a lot of young people have never heard of this. It is an ancient classic. Go find its yellowed pages in the hallowed halls of every library in the United States. I'm sure half the pages are bookmarked, (laughs) dog-eared. It's one of the most incredible books ever. In a short. And you're going to love it. And it's still relevant today. (laughs) Richard Bach. God, I had his books. I had his books. And there weren't a whole lot other... And then after a while, Dan Millman came along. So we had, you know, Way of the Peaceful Warrior came along. And then we had... um, Not for a long time did we have a fictional New Age book that really stood out in my mind until the Celestine Prophecy and then that series came out. And that was huge. But now we're having this massive, massive explosion of my kind of books. So, you know, you stick around the planet long enough and you're going to get everything you ever wanted. Yeah, I told God like literally a week ago, I do not want to live forever. I don't even want to live a thousand years if I have to live it alone in silence without my true love, without money. I don't care about fame so much, but I need the money to survive, you know, just basic. But I want to buy a house and I want to buy land and I want to make a spiritual retreat center. I want people to come to my land and go, whoa, (laughs) this is a place I only saw in my dreams or I only imagined in my mind. You're blowing me away right now that you created something that I always wished I could be a part of. That's my vision. I mean, I want to have a giant living tree of life grid. And at every point on that grid, I'm going to make a little igloo where you could go inside and experience the full magic of that color of that sphere. (laughs) I mean, to the point of there will be music with the vibration of that color. 
everything I can imagine is going to be to do with that. Like the yellow means beauty. So everything's going to be about beauty. There'll be a meditation. There'll be a, a yellow candle. Everything will be about that. That's my vision. That's my dream. I had a vision of it. I was like, whoa, <laughs> I was fully blown away. I'm going to have a magical center, a magic center. Everyone and their uncle wants a healing center. I'm all, no, 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 no. We're gods now. We're going to heal ourselves. Sometimes we're going to need the healers. We're still going to go. But you know what? Mm. I'm going to do something no one else has done. And that's what I'm going to do. Even if someone wants to replicate it, they're never going to do what I do in my mind. It's going to be different. Because everyone's unique. <laughs> you could give 100 people a topic to write an essay on. Every essay is going to be different, guaranteed. So I'm not even worried about telling you guys my vision. Anyway, if you guys share my vision, man, I mean, seriously, I cannot wait to have 20 people come. I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to have gift baskets ready (laughs) with coffee and chocolate and oh my God, all the good alkaloids. Anyway, today's Ascension symptoms scale number is 93. I just did a muscle testing. My divine counterpart says, yep, Absolutely. It's 93. So we're a little bit slightly above yesterday, but in a good way. Did you guys see the cool colors in the clouds? Look at a a normal straight up puffy white cloud. Stare at it long enough. You're going to see the rainbow, rainbow fractals, the fractalization of each individual part of that cloud. It's a different color and shimmery, glowy, rainbowy gooiness. It's good. Amazing. Rainbow rific lights. And I see that every time I see a white puffy cloud now. But if you aren't there yet, don't worry, it's coming (laughs) any moment. In fact, tomorrow night in my interview, I I talked to him about that. I talked about old wise hermit, about what you see when you look at the sky these days. (laughs) You're in for a treat with that one. He has some cool stories. All right. Before we get to tonight's topic, I'm going to read you the Schumann Resonance News. Literally, there was only one entry for the whole day. 1700 UTC time. They write, "Eh, not much to say today. The few peaks were concentrated between 6 and 10 UTC time, and the maximum amplitude was about 20 hertz. Instead, it's continuing the grid of lines and dashes... Hmm. Probably frequency oscillations. We've already seen them other times previously. They lasted a few days until we thought it was the new vibrational, quote-unquote vibrational, configuration, but then they disappeared. Sounds like they're getting a little discouraged and a little bit upset, like they were expecting something and it didn't happen in the way they wanted. (laughs) Such is life, right? Such is this life. But... I think it's interesting. They said lines and dashes. I mean, that's Morse code, right? I wonder if we interpreted the lines and dashes. And just like the other day when I looked into the sky and I saw the clouds were lines and dashes. I'm like, what the heck? What? It's like a completely pure blue sky and then hot orange tang-like clouds and 
lines and dashes. And then a few days before, they were, they were gray and white clouds or lines and dashes. Maybe we all ought to learn Morse code. <laughs> oh, I don't know. All right. For the second half of tonight, for tonight's topic, I'm going to go into the Hindu gods and goddesses. Just going to give you just a quick rundown. Quick rundown. We're going to go through it and see what we can see. (laughs) After this message, just let it play out. Please don't turn off or skip the message. I get paid literally one penny for you to hear the message. Eh, You don't have to hear it. You already heard it. You heard it once. You've heard it. I'm probably going to record it again, make it a little bit more exciting, maybe a little better. But... I only have the one sponsor and I get literally paid one penny. So just let it run. Go in the other, in the other room, grab, grab yourself a cup of coffee or tea or popcorn, or maybe it's a bathroom break time for you. Just let it run out. Please don't turn it off. Please. I found out 65% of my listeners are turning it off and I'm like, Oh man, I need to be able to pay for my life and my podcast. And this is the only thing I do don't have a job I'm a stay-at-home mom and in 17 months I lose all my uh, income because when my kid turns 18 all of that goes away it's temporary death benefits because my husband died so anyway it's not really a sad sob story so much it's just it kind of is but not really I'm not trying to make you know make sad about it but I just it was brought to my attention that people were turning off that one 30 second commercial I'm like oh man just let it play out you know turn the volume down or play a game do something else if you don't want to really hear it but don't let it don't skip over it because that affects me and I'm doing this podcast for free for the good of humanity but I do need to get paid and y'all don't have to you can donate if you want but you don't have to I just want to make sure that um, I'm able to support my kids, you know, because when they're in college and I no longer have the income, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to support myself so I could keep supporting my kids, you know? Anyway, after this, we're coming back and we're talking about the Hindu gods and goddesses tonight. And well, be right back. India is a very old civilization and they've been around for thousands of years. Over 4,000 years ago, the Bhagavad Gita was written. And from what people can discern from this text is that in ancient days, there was, well, we think a war in the heavens, possibly a nuclear war bombs are going off and India had been technologically advanced and they were thrown back into basically the dark ages again and they had to come back up and when they did the people decided to focus on spirituality meditation there's a lot a lot of masters a lot of self-realized people a lot of masters that have a pretty good handle 
on the same things Jesus did. In fact, Jesus traveled through there. They call him Sananda. There's books written about Jesus in India, in their language, in Hindi and probably Bengalese and different, (laughs) or Bengali, what is it called? Yeah, there's a lot of different dialects, a lot of languages in the country of India. And there are books written about Sananda when he was there. I know that when he went to speak with the Brahmins, he brought in the lower cla- lower castes or classes of people and the Brahmins were angry and they wanted to kill him because he was mixing and mingling men and women, whether they're married or not. And he was intermingling people like he brought everyone gathered as a group because Brother Yeshua saw people as people or potential self-realized masters like himself. He didn't discriminate. He wasn't prejudiced against people for being of a lower caste. (laughs) And he called out the people of India for their cruel treatment of others saying, well, it's your karma to be poor. We'll keep you there in that caste, in the caste system. He did not agree with it. So he wanted to preach his truths and he did throughout India and he was there. So a couple thousand years ago. So India has had a lot of spirituality from very various points. And there's been a lot of shakeups in India. But in Hinduism... They developed a system of gods and goddesses. And people pick the god or goddess that they feel the most close to. Now, some people in India will argue that they are separate, complete, separate divine beings. Some of them are self-realized masters. Some of them are animals that were enlightened. Some of them were just people that became, you know, like Lord Krishna became enlightened and then or was born enlightened and just grew more so and he was a shining light for spirituality but when you turn around and ask somebody who is a self-realized master about the Hindu gods and the Hindu goddesses like Paramahansa Yogananda for example he has stated in at least one book if not more, several possibly, that the Hindu gods and goddesses are literally just the faces and identities of the one true God. There is only one true God. There's mother, father, God, but he sees the mother and the father's side of the one true thing, the one God, the no thing. (laughs) So... If you look at this as if there's only one true God and all of the gods and goddesses we're going to go over tonight are just faces and facets of the one true God or the one diamond that is the divine, it might be a little bit more palatable than if you look at there's just a pantheon of a, a, you know, a bunch of gods, dozens of gods and goddesses. Some people, especially if you're Muslim, you're trained not to ever deal with people who have um, 
uh, many gods, you know? So, I don't know. It, it just depends. Like, some, some Hindus will say, yeah, absolutely, there's only one god. But we look at the faces of God because God is many different things. Just like you could be different things on different days. If you're painting today, you're an artist. If you're recording a song tomorrow, you're a musician. Doesn't mean that you can't be both. <laughs> Maybe today you're an accountant because you're at work, but tomorrow you're a weekend warrior. You're out on the high seas, deep sea fishing. <laughs> or skydiving. You know, just because you're a skydiver doesn't mean you're not an accountant. Just because you're an accountant doesn't mean that you're not a deep sea fisherman. So, so just by that logic, you know, God is everything. <laughs> God is literally the faces of all of us and all of the ETs in all the other worlds and dimensions. So you could look at it however you want, but I just wanted to throw that out there as an idea before we get into the list, <laughs> the, the pantheon of gods and goddesses. If you grew up in a sheltered society or in one religion, and you haven't been exposed to this, this might be some fun and exciting information. I hope so. I hope you enjoy it. I think it, it'll be enlightening one way or another. <laughs> okay, we're going to start with one of my favorite goddesses in India, Goddess Lakshmi. Now, Goddess Lakshmi, she is the epitome of beauty. She, I had a dream about her. And in my dream, I gave my very last dollar to save some animals. And she said, come with me. I'll feed you tonight. And she took me into this beautiful mansion. We went in, into a cave underneath the mansion and got onto a boat, went out onto the lake. And I went, oh my God, your goddess Lakshmi. And she said, you'll be rewarded because your heart is pure. And you are willing to give your last dollar to help those less fortunate than you. In this case, it was animals. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh. I woke up going, oh, that was a real, real spiritual experience. You know the difference. You know, when you have a spiritual experience dream, it's a million times different. The feeling, the energy, and it sticks with you the rest of your life. And this, this uh, experience I had with God's Lakshmi... <laughs> Well, solidified her in my mind as one of my goddesses. You know, if I'm going to talk to someone about something that I need, she's the one I'm going to go to. So, Goddess Lakshmi in the Tibetan tradition, she's also called Tamil, T-A-M-I-L. Lakshmi is spelled L-A-K-S-H-M-I. Lakshmi. Lakshmi. So, she is the Hindu goddess of wealth, fortune, and prosperity. She is the Shakti or energy of Vishnu or the wife of Vishnu, however you want to look at that. And she's one of the principal deities of Hinduism. So she forms one third of the Tridevi or the Holy Trinity of Goddesses, along with Parvati and Saraswati. We're going to go over them in a few minutes, who they are. <laughs> but 
Goddess Lakshmi is worshipped particularly on the day of Diwali. And a lot of Hindus have told me this is kind of like the equivalent of Christmas. Diwali is the one day where people float candles on the Ganges River. And they float them down the river and you'll see thousands and thousands and thousands of candles just burning bright on the goddess on the Ganges River, which I think is it's really beautiful. Now I'm more now that I said it out loud though, I hope they burn out completely and that it doesn't hurt the environment. There are pink river dolphins in the Ganges River. Has nothing to do with gods and goddesses, but I wanted to mention it because it's a point of interest for me. I love pink river dolphins. I've seen a couple on the Amazon River and they're really magical creatures. Very cool. So goddess Lakshmi is the goddess of wealth, fortune, luxury, and prosperity. And this means spiritual as well as material. If you need help and you want to feel free financially, you've got to turn to goddess Lakshmi. Now she is usually, um, worshiped along with Lord Ganesha. We're going to go over Lord Ganesha in a minute. Also, after we talk about the other two goddesses that she is related to now, goddess Lakshmi is always shown in pictures as having four arms. Her two upper arms are represented with the lotus flower, which is a symbol of purity. So she's holding two lotuses, double purity. You can't really be truly luxuriously wealthy if you're not pure of heart and pure of mind. Goddess Lakshmi teaches that. So double purity and then her also her lower arms are dropping gold coins showing that she does bring prosperity in both the material as well as the spiritual realms so when you're pure you can attract more to you she will help you to achieve all of the goals of your life now Towards the end of this episode, I'm going to show you guys how to call upon or chant the names of each of the gods we're going to go over. I'm going to just give you a simple chant and then you fill in the blank with whatever god or goddess you are interested in contacting, which is just a different face of the one true God if you wanted to go that route in your um, ideas and beliefs of this. All right. All, in all spiritual and all spiritual stuff, all religious stuff, it's all just meant to help you focus your attention on the divine part of yourself and your connection to the greater divine in the universe, by the way. So, all right, let's see. Now we're going to go and look up Parvati. <laughs> I'm looking these up as I go along so that I could get through this faster. Um, but Parvati and Saraswati and Goddess Lakshmi, they are all, like I said, the Holy Trinity, the Tridevi. So we're going to now look up Parvati. 
Now, Goddess Parvati, she's also called in the Tibetan、um, form Gauri, G A U R I. So, Goddess Parvati, she is a Hindu goddess of fertility, love, beauty, marriage, and children. Also, devo- devotion, as well as divine strength and power, she is known as the Mother Goddess. Okay? This is the Hindu version of Mother God. She's gentle, she's nurturing, she's sweet, she's loving. If you need to be in a situation where you want, basically, if you not need, but if you want a relationship and can't find a husband, she'll help you with that. If you want to have better relationships with your family members, you want to have a lot more love between you and your children, you want to have children and you have been infertile, she's the goddess to go to. She will give you the solutions. And possibly put the people, circumstances, or herbs in your way, maybe the nutritionist in your way, that will help you achieve that. Goddess Parvati is all loving and nurturing, and the epitome of female joy, beauty, and love. She's sweet, gentle, soft. The one, the one goddess you would want to just hug you and take her into your arms on your hardest of days. She would be the mother you would run to. <laughs> If she were your mother, she would be the best mother on earth. Okay. <laughs> she is one of the central deities of the goddess oriented Shakta sect. And once again, she works alongside Goddess Lakshmi and Goddess Saraswati, which is the trinity of the Hindu goddesses. She is considered to be the supreme Hindu goddess, Adi Parashakti. She is the nurturing, gentle aspect of this. Now, as far as counterparts go, <laughs> Goddess Parvati is the wife of the Hindu god Lord Shiva. He is the protector and destroyer of evil and the regenerator of the universe and of all life. We're going to go a little bit more over Shiva in a moment. But Parvati is also the mother of the Hindu deities Ganesha, Kartikeya, Ashoka Sundari. And she is also, according to the Puranas, not the Puranas in the Amazon River, the fish that eat people at the right time of year when they eat anything that falls into the. <laughs> Into the river. Not Pirana, but Purana. Sorry about the mispronunciation. <laughs> In the Puranas, she is. Puranas. Ugh, I cannot say this word. She is referenced as the sister of the preserver god Vishnu. Now remember, Vishnu is also the husband or counterpart of goddess Lakshmi. So it's like a deity family. In the Hindu traditions. And now, Goddess Parvati is the divine energy between a man and a woman. So I guess she's not only is she the nurturing, loving, beautiful mother, she's also balanced in and of herself. 
which is good, right? That's what makes her a good mother, being completely balanced between the divine and masculine, walking the middle path, as it were. So she's very much like the energy of Lord Shiva and Shakti. So, all right, um, let me see here. She is found extensively in ancient Indian literature, and her statues and iconography will grace Hindu temples throughout South Asia and Southeast Asia. She is extremely popular, obviously, since she is the Mother God. Now, Goddess Saraswati, S-A-R-A-S-W-A-T-I, she is the Goddess of Wisdom, Knowledge, music, art, and nature. She represents a free flow of wisdom and consciousness. She is the mother of the Vedas, and she is always called upon during the Vedic lessons. She is the daughter of Lord Shiva and the goddess Durga. Now, wait a minute. Wasn't Shiva married to... All right, we're not going to worry about that right now. <laughs> it's, sound, it's starting to sound like the uh, the pantheon of Greek gods, isn't it? How this god will cheat on that god to create the other god. Yeah. I don't know. It, it gets convoluted and crazy, and they're different. Every region of India has different ideas about how, how all these goddesses interact and function with each other and how it all works so you know you gotta take everything you hear with a grain of salt and take the truths that you want to learn with you and throw away the rest the things that resonate with you and if it doesn't resonate then you just kind of go okay whatever that was not me (laughs) so goddess Saraswati endows human beings with the powers of speech wisdom and learning so if you're on your way to a university and you want to get a degree goddess Saraswati well she's she's your goddess she's the one who's going to help you she is oftentimes seen playing an instrument it's like a very long I don't know guitar lyre banjo I don't know I'm, I'm looking that up now because I want to get the name of the instrument right, but she's seen playing instrument because she is a goddess of music. So whether you're off to college or you're a rock and roll star or you're a singer, she's the one to call upon to ask for her help and her hand in making you successful in that particular endeavor. So with her two plan or with her two hands, Saraswati plays the music of love and life on a string instrument called the Veena. V-E-E-N-A. Veena. That sounds magical. That sounds like something you would hear in Harry Potter. (laughs) Now, she's dressed in white always, in a white sari, and that is a symbol of purity and usually she is seen riding on the back of a white swan which also is a symbol of purity of course but also the the word discrimination comes to mind you can't really get a good education unless you know how to discriminate between the good and the bad information 
and you can't be a good musician unless you discriminate between the good and bad (laughs) notes that you're plucking. So the white swan is a symbolization of, well, basically the discrimination, determination, discrimination, not discrimination in a bad way, but in the positive way in which it kind of literally means discernment. So let's see here. She is also very, very beautiful. Um, I think all the Hindu (coughs) gods and goddesses, for the most part, can be considered beautiful. So anyway, so she makes up the third, (laughs) the trifecta, as it were, of the Hindu goddesses between goddess Lakshmi, goddess Saraswati, and goddess Parvati. Those three make up one of the goddess trinities, as it were. All right, now we don't want to give all the attention to the females. We're going to go to the males now, the male counterparts. Now, we're going to start with Lord Vishnu or God Vishnu. He is one of the three main gods in Hinduism, and he is considered a supreme being. He is a preserver god. This means that he protects the earth from being destroyed, and he keeps it going according to the religion. And he came to Earth in nine forms or avatars. And eight have already been on Earth and yet there's one more to come. So that's pretty interesting. I am excited and looking forward to that if it's true. We need him here now to protect us from all these asteroids, bolides, and giant green meteors that have been flying through our planet of late. Siberia, Washington, D.C., Brazil, all over the planet. So basically, Vishnu is the preserver in the Hindu trinity, and that Trimurti or trinity, trifecta <laughs> of Hindu gods, also includes Brahma and Lord Brahma and Lord Shiva, or God Shiva, God Brahma, okay? Now, this is going to sound a little strange, but Lord Brahma came out of the navel or belly button of Lord Lord, uh, Vishnu. I don't know. Some of this stuff, I just feel like, boy, in India, they had some really good mushrooms, really good psychedelic plants. (laughs) Some of this stuff is so trippy that it's just like, what? (laughs) I love it, but it's really strange. A lot of it's really, really, really strange to me. Now, another really strange thing is that Lord Vishnu and Goddess Lakshmi, they're like counterparts, but this is really weird. Now, a lot of times when you see a statue... And there's Goddess Lakshmi in the chest of Lord Vishnu. That's very, very common. It's like she has a permanent place in his heart because they are married. And so she lives in his chest. So a lot of times you'll see paintings or statues where 
they're like in combinado <laughs> in this way, which is sweet and a little strange, but I like it actually. It makes sense. It's kind of sweet and beautiful. Now, Brahma is the creator god in Hinduism. He's also known as Svayambhu, or self-born, and he's the creative aspect of Vishnu. Or Vishnu is also called the Lord of Speech, by the way. I didn't mention that earlier. Because <laughs> I didn't know. <laughs> I'm look like I'm looking all this stuff up and researching it as I go along. Usually I research before, but because I recorded earlier, I don't have as much time as usual. So the creator of the four Vedas is Brahma. He is the consort of Saraswati, the goddess of wisdom. Okay. So if that makes sense, he's considered the creator. He creates. So he is sometimes identified with the Vedic god Prajapati. And he is also known as Vedanatha or the god of the Vedas. Vedas are basically a series of books. It's, you know, wisdom and knowledge that's been handed down for thousands of years you could go to a Vedanta temple and they will I believe read from the Vedas or at least take the knowledge from there and then create a speech from that so I think that the Hindu Brahma I think that he is represented as a bull or a cow and cows are very sacred in India because of Brahma, but also for what they are used for. You know, they don't ever eat cows. They actually use them to make, well, the females, they make butter, and and they also use the males for working in the fields, for plowing and stuff. So cows are very sacred, and they are always related to Brahma. And it's not uncommon to see flowers in a, like a lay necklace, to uh, be placed over cows' necks. To, it's not just from decoration, but to make their lives more pleasant. And they will smell like the flowers. And it's a very, I think it's a very sweet tradition. So a lot of Puranas will describe Lord Brahma as emerging from a lotus flower. And it's connected to the navel of Lord Vishnu, as I mentioned before. So it's kind of strange that the creator God would be coming out of another God's stomach. It's just this stuff. It just sounds like they had really good acid thousands of years ago in India. I mean, I don't know. Is this stuff is crazy. It's, I love it though. Um, now other Puranas suggest that he is born from Lord Shiva. So no one really knows where they all come from and every village has a whole different explanation for everything. So depending on who you listen to, it's always going to be a different story. But he is viewed as a formless, timeless, I guess, um, beginning of the ultimate metaphysical reality. 
So he, Brahma, Lord Brahma is the father of all. He is like the one true creator God. So I don't know. I mean, it's, it's like everyone is loving and respecting him, but he's kind of like a lesser worshiped God compared to all the other gods. You know, because he's just the creator. He's only just the creator of like, you know, life and humans and planets and worlds and everything. But I guess you would never really call upon him to create a planet for you. (laughs) So it's why it's easier to call upon, you know, goddess Saraswati for your studies or to create a beautiful piece of art. (laughs) And goddess Lakshmi when you need to pay your rent. So possibly that might be why... He's not as popular or as worshipped actively, possibly as the other gods, if that makes any sense. Now, whereas Brahma is the creator, Lord Shiva is the destroyer. Okay. He is known as a Mahadeva or a great god. He is one of the principal deities of Hinduism. Lord Shiva is extremely popular. Now, why would a destroyer God be popular? Isn't that negative? Well, not really. What if you want to destroy your illusions? (laughs) What if you want to destroy your fears and your sadness? It could be very helpful to have a destroyer God at your side. (laughs) So he is, again, part of the Hindu Trinity with uh, Lord Brahma and Lord Vishnu. And Shiva, not only is a destroyer, though, he is also a creator and he protects and transforms the universe. Matter cannot be created or destroyed. It can only be transformed. Lord Shiva. Lord Shiva is oftentimes seen dancing, dancing in the universe with all the things that he could create and destroy and transform. He is a creator God in all all of its dynamic aspects. He is Lord Shiva is oftentimes seen dancing with a trident in his hand. That is a three pronged, I don't know, pitchfork, fork, (laughs) weapon. I don't know what you want to call a trident. You'll notice that the God of the sea in the Greek pantheon also carries a trident the father of mermaids (laughs) also carries a trident. So, okay. Um, a lot of this stuff is just, it's like, there's so much to it. Now there's no way I've already gone 30 minutes and I've only told you six Hindu gods. I'm going to go over a couple more, but Basically, there are 33, love this number, 33 million Hindu gods and goddesses. And every single village in India will have a different story about each and every one of them. Where they come from, what their real names are, what they do. But all there's like basic things, but 33 million gods, there's no way I'm going to ever cover them in a lifetime let alone an hour-long show. (laughs) So basically, Shiva 
is formless, limitless, transcendent, and unchanging. And he is the primal Atman or soul or self of the universe. He's fearsome, but also benevolent. He is an omniscient yogi who lives an ascetic life up in the mountains. He sometimes is seen as a householder with his wife, goddess Parvati. He has two children, Lord Ganesha and Kritikeya. Now in his fiercest aspects, he is depicted as slaying demons. That's a good reason to be a destroyer, is it not? Shiva is known as being regarded as a patron god of yoga, meditation, and the arts. Sometimes he's shown as having a third eye on his forehead, and he has matted hair. (laughs) His weapon is the trident, so I guess it's a weapon. He's worshipped sometimes in the form of lingam. A lingam is a penis, a phallus. Yes, they have giant churches dedicated to worshiping a giant phallus, which would be the ultimate creator (laughs) on the planet, right? Or Lord Shiva. I saw a picture when I was in university at Cal State Northridge um, that our teacher had been given a copy of this. This woman over the summertime had gone to India and she saw a church and she was shocked, shocked. And there's a giant wooden penis, which was the altar in a temple. She was like, oh my God, I got to take a bunch of pictures of this right now. No one will ever believe me. (laughs) So pretty crazy. Uh, The name for vagina is Yoni. The name for penis is Lingam in Hindu and they are very very sacred sexuality is very sacred in India they are a culture in which no one's allowed to have sex until marriage but once they're in marriage they the parents will give a manual to show you how to do it in every possible position hundreds of positions (laughs) because sex is sacred and beautiful but you want to have a beautiful marriage and well keep it boring you're gonna have a boring marriage keep it exciting you have a great marriage all right on to more hindu gods and goddesses now there's goddess kali ma kali she is seen oftentimes dancing on a battlefield smiling with joy but she has human skulls in a necklace around her neck it's pretty creepy right right no not really she's she's a goddess of of death and war fighting and she dances on the battlefield because she is so grateful and happy and filled with love and joy that she gets to take away people's sorrows from their fights if you've had a fight, ask Kali Ma to come. And she's almost like a sin eater or a death eater. And she will eat away the negativity from the fight you just had so that you can move on and be lighter and freer. And she collects the human skulls because that's the bodies and the negativities that people leave behind on the battlefield. She collects the souls so that they can be freer and lighter. 
Now her name Kali is Sanskrit for she who is black or she who is death. Well, as the angel of death, you better believe she's one of my favorite goddesses. I love her so much. She is the goddess of time and doomsday and death. So her origins are traced back to the mountain cultures of Southern Asia. Kalima is the goddess of destruction in the natural world. Everything is destroyed and eventually recreated. So she's not a good goddess or an evil goddess. She just is. And she's in charge of some pretty important things. Time, doomsday, and death. Very, very important things. Now the name of her, uh, the word Kali means a maiden or a bud. Like, you know, the bud of a rose. So she is not only in charge of endings, but also of beginnings as a result. She's a lot of times associated with violence or sexuality, but she's also considered a symbolic of she's a strong, powerful, brave mother figure. So there are many aspects to each individual God as there are to each individual human. She is also considered as a form of Parvati or Durga. She is the consort of Lord Shiva. She is simultaneously the giver and the destroyer of life. Now I know what you've all been waiting for. (laughs) You've all been waiting to hear about the elephant God. This one is bizarre. Lord Ganesha. He is one of my most favorite gods in the Hindu pantheons. Lord Ganesha is the remover of all obstacles. Think of a stampeding elephant racing through ahead of your life on the path ahead, getting rid of all the obstacles that held you back before. They held you back from success, love, money, fame, fortune, whatever, knowledge, getting into college, getting a car, whatever you want. Lord Ganesha, he will help remove all of your obstacles when you just ask, chant his name, pray to him, ask him, hey, can you help me, buddy? Ask him as if you would ask a friend. This aspect of God is incredible makes you feel powerful and safe. If you have no obstacles, wouldn't you feel awfully safe? Well, Lord Ganesha kind of contributes to that sense of safety. Now, Lord Ganesha is also always remembered and honored at the start of rites and ceremonies because he is the God of new beginnings. He's someone you might want to call upon tomorrow as we enter a new moon phase. (laughs) You see how it all kind of fits together if you want it to. (laughs) You can always recognize him by pictures of him. Well, he's got 
an elephant head. He is re- he is not only the remover of obstacles, as I've already mentioned, but he's also the patron of arts and sciences, and he is a deva of intellect and wisdom, which is why he is often honor- honored with not only goddess Lakshmi, but also with goddess Saraswati, the goddess of wisdom. And of course, he's because he is um, the destroyer of obstacles. He's also known as a creator of obstacles as well, because, you know, two sides of the same coin. But (laughs) he's always worshipped first because even before starting work, a lot of people will pray to Lord Ganesh in India before they begin their work day so that he can make clear the path for you of all obstacles which is pretty cool when you're starting a new business when you're starting any new enterprise lord ganesha is the one to call upon which is pretty cool he is the son of shiva and parvati now i did a long time read I mean, and also he's he's also the god of success, good luck, of wisdom, obstacles, and difficulties. So I did read a story about how he is he was a man, of course, and then or man or god, and in a battle he lost his head, and somebody quickly cut off the head of an elephant and put that on his body, thereby combining the two beings. And so, obviously, he knows all about obstacles. (laughs) I mean, not having a head would be a massive obstacle to overcome. And he also knows about things that are difficult. And he is an overcomer, a remover of difficulties. So, not having a head would be quite difficult. Then having that replaced with an enormous elephant head where you can't get in your own door would also be a difficulty, I would imagine. So, if this stories I can't even say the word true I, you know it's just it's crazy the story itself is crazy I love the symbolism though the metaphor of this is so incredible he's often pictured with a rat because he's overcome his own fears his dark night of the soul I suppose losing your head would be a part of it as well so he's also considered to be able to go into nooks and corners of the world and do his job as a destroyer of obstacles because his vehicle is a mouse. So even though he's a man body with an elephant head, he rides on a mouse, which means he could shrink himself and go into the deep, deepest, darkest corners of your house, your life, your mind and destroy anything there that doesn't belong, that doesn't keep you on the path moving forward. So he can slither through tiny holes and narrow pathways and the darkness of the night and probably help you through the dark night of your soul. That's what makes him all pervasive. And his name means Lord of Hordes (laughs) or Lord of the Multitudes. So 
Not only is he the remover of obstacles, again, he is a god of good luck and wisdom, which makes him like super popular. You know, if you have a little elephant statue, I mean, over the years I've collected little, I don't have them anymore, but I used to have necklaces and different things with elephants on it. I I always kind of had a a love for elephants and elephants are known to be intelligent, wise creatures and they never forget. So pretty cool. That Lord Ganesha has a huge head or an elephant head. It's also just a symbol of his vast knowledge and his huge brain. <laughs> I mean, people have said that I have a big head. And I said, well, hey, that's where I'm keeping my big brain, you know. Yeah, I have a big hat size. I know. I have a big hat size for a man. I am a female bobblehead. Okay, not that bad, but <laughs> I kind of relate to Lord Ganesha in many, many ways. <laughs> Now on to the last god. I know you're waiting for this one. <laughs> Lord Hanuman. Oh, everybody loves the monkey god. <laughs> I love monkeys. I love monkeys so much. And I even have on my left shoulder, on my back, I have a monkey tattoo of the NASCAR or NASCAR NASCA lines monkey <laughs> I love monkeys the first time an actual real true live monkey ever interacted me jumped on exactly the spot where I have my tattoo and he hugged me and he laughed in my ear and it was super beautiful I love monkeys they're so sweet and so fun and playful now Lord Hanuman was part human and part monkey. (laughs) He's a central character in the epic Hindu story called Ramayana. And he's often depicted as maybe a man with a face of a monkey and a long tail. He is described as the son of the wind, son of Pawan, which is the god of the wind. Hanuman is known for his extraordinary daring feats, bravery, loyalty, and his strength. So, there's a very, very strange story about Lord Hanuman. Again, they had good psychedelics in India, I swear to God. I don't know, I have no proof of that, but it just seems to me that Maybe it's possible. (laughs) Now, according to one of the Ramayanas, one morning in his childhood, Hanuman was hungry, so, so hungry, that when he saw the rising red-colored sun in the morning, he mistook it for a ripe fruit, and he quickly plucked it out of the sky. He leapt up and ate it, ate the sun. And one of the kings of the gods, Indra, had to intervene and struck him with his thunderbolt to get the sun back. (laughs) Uh, It's so strange. This is so strange. Um, In most stories, Hanuman is shown as a 
celibate God and he meditates and he's very, very, very sacred. He focuses on the inner God. He's overcome the monkey, the monkey mind. And he has focused only on his inner divinity. So he's also considered to be the Lord of celibacy. A lot of people don't know that. And he is a spiritual figure. He is a symbol of strength and a symbol of energy, high energy. You think about how much a monkey moves around and they laugh and joke and play and they have a good vibe and a good energy. That's that's Lord Hanuman. He he is a representation of this positive joy energy. He's also known and remembered for his selfless dedication to God. He is unyielding in his devotion to God. Some people in India believe that Lord Shiva reincarnated in the form of Hanuman so that he is one of the avatars of Lord Shiva. And the reason why he appears as monkey or part monkey is that it was a, a curse, but he overcame it by turning inward and meditating. And he had magical powers. He was a monkey commander of a monkey army. <laughs> and he's also, because he was a monkey, he misbehaved sometimes. And he was cursed to forget his magical powers for a while. But he had the ability to fly or to become infinitely large. And one day he was reminded of his powers and he got them all back. He is especially connected with the Lord God Rama, especially when he went to help Lord God Rama's wife be rescued from Sita, the, his wife Sita, from the demon king Ravana. That is the story of Hanuman. Also, I've read stories in which he led armies. He was the, you know, the monkey commander of the monkey army, and he helped to defeat demons. It just goes on and on and on. If you guys want to look into these gods more, you will, um, you'll be amazed. The stories are crazy. I mean, seriously, you could just smoke a bowl and read this stuff all night and just trip out on the pictures of it. Lord Hanuman, a lot of times is seen as a white monkey. White, again, meaning purity and devotion and purity in the form of physicality because he was a celibate god. There are some stories in some villages in India in which he is married, but he's married to his spiritual um, consort in a way in which they don't have sex. They are just spiritual husband and spiritual wife and it's a spiritual marriage so I don't know if you want to pray or chant you could go online and look at these uh, look these up and chant or you could go to YouTube where there's already usually there's chants of maybe 108 times most of the gods have 108 names and there's 33 million gods so I mean you could get lost for her the rest of your life in this stuff. But it's very interesting and fascinating 
coming from a culture that's been pretty intact for like 4,000 years in spite of outside influences and, you know, such as British rule and internal conflicts and the partition being put up where the Muslims were removed from the Hindus and separated out into Pakistan. I mean, there's been a lot of crazy history in India, but there's a lot of amazing and rich cultural stories about the gods and the goddesses. So if you were going to just chant a simple chant in order to focus on the god or goddess of your dreams, the ones that will help you, the one or many ones that will help you with what you need and desire in your life, just give it a go. Put out a bowl of rice, put out an orange, maybe some flowers, um, fresh cut flowers maybe. And maybe if you could find an image, a picture of the god or goddess of your choice and you say like for Shiva you would say Om Namaha Shivaya Namaha Om Namah Shiva Namaha in the name of Shiva in the name basically and you could say Om Namah Lakshmi Namaha Om is just the sound that the universe makes as it expands. It is the holy sound that unites every single thing together into one thing. <laughs> and there are many, 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 many chants, many prayers. You could go online. You, you could say the same chant 108 times that's considered auspicious it is divisible by the number nine nine is related to well there's nine avatars of lord vishnu for one it's a very sacred number it is also the number of the hermit if you want to relate it to other cultures it is a magical number it's mystical all of this stuff is mystical blue is the it's considered the color of royalty many gods are considered blue shiva drank poison that turned his skin blue and yet he didn't die which made him a god that's one story but blue is a color of royalty and purity and it's a very high vibrational color it's a color of the sky which is where the gods reside probably the color of the mushrooms they were taken when they made up all this stuff. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I know Hanuman is probably here laughing with me as a monkey god because he himself was probably a Hayoka. He ate the sun after all when he was hungry. So <laughs> I hope you've enjoyed this very short version of the Hindu gods. It's been an hour, but I can never begin to cover them all. But I wanted to do a quick overview of the basic ones, the main ones that people love and like. And people in the Western world sometimes pray to these gods with great results. So wanted to let you know. <laughs> I hope that the Hindu gods and goddesses smile in your favor, remove the obstacles of your life, destroy the negative parts of your mind and your past that you no longer need, and create beautiful visions and vistas and futures for you, and that one day we all shall live on the greatest Loki or planet in our future life, 
possible. Heaven on earth is here. We're in the fifth dimension, my dears. You will be able to have anything and everything you want. And you could do it in any way, shape, or form you want because you are a unique, beautiful individual. I'm running out of time, so I'm signing off now with love and light and joy, peace, beauty, and the high vibes of the holy fifth dimension. Until next time, peace. Metaphysical Soul Speak is run on sponsors and listener support. This means listeners like you. If you are so inclined to support my efforts and my little podcast, please visit me at anchor.fm forward slash metaphysical and pledge an amount of your choosing today. Thank you.